You heard it right. This is a bonus episode of Pittsburgh Beautiful, the podcast. This episode, my guest is David Moyo, our sports writer. He writes our column, Moyo Muses. David is the biggest sports fan on the planet, no doubt in my mind, hands down. He'd probably brag that to you himself if given the chance. And right now he's a little frustrated with the Pirates. So we're going to jump right into this interview. And um, I talk with David about his feelings on their season so far and why, as a Pirates fan, he has been so very frustrated for the last, oh, I don't know, 30 years or so. Okay, I'm here with Dave Moyo, and uh, it's been a little while since he's written anything for us. I think he was waiting for the Pirates season to kind of play out a little bit, um, but he he really can't contain himself now. If you read the blog post um, yesterday, you probably know he's pretty frustrated, aren't you? Um, I'm a bit frustrated. And, you know, I shouldn't be because I'm a lifetime Pirates fan. So I should know how this will play out. I should expect this. I'm also a Pitt alum and a Pitt fan. So I should know that they'll break your heart every time. I should be aware of this. Um, but I'm stupid. And I you know, my heart gets in the way of my brain and I decide that, well, maybe they're in it. And I start to buy some of the Huntington speak and the hurdle speak and even the Coonley and, and nutting speak. And I think, you know, they're playing above their roster if you look at it closely. But then I look a little more closely and I think, well, eh, no, they've got this problem with which is they're the Pittsburgh Pirates. So they've got this infection, this sort of philosophical infection uh, that is getting in the way of progress in my mind. And I think that's what's stopping them from being a real contender, being a real player in the National League Central. Well, do you, do you think they've do you think they pretty much have, have always had? I mean, I, I think it's more like a curse because I, I, I refuse to believe that owners just want to make money. I mean, I know baseball is a business, but you know, hanging, having the ring, having the trophy, I mean, that just naturally brings you more dollars. So do you think the pirates today are any different than say the pirates of the nineties with Dre back and and Bobby Bo and all that stuff? And I think in that time, the pirates could be a bit more competitive because while they were still small market, uh, they could, um, they were a little more competitive financially. Baseball wasn't so far out of control where um, really bad middle infielders were making five or six million dollars a year, and that eats up for the Pirates. That eats up what almost ten percent of the payroll if they do something like that. So they, if they take a flyer on a guy, they better be right. So they're not right on certain guys like Gung. Uh, they missed on him. They, oh yeah, he's having a good job. Like, give me a break. No, he's not. His batting average went up a few points. He's not producing runs. He's not scoring runs. He's really not doing anything. I think he refuses to play second base because they keep plugging him in at shortstop and he's not a good shortstop. All I know is every time I turn on the TV or every time I, I'm somewhere in the Pirates game is on, I, I either see him, Marte, or Bell hitting a home run. That's yeah. it. That's but all I see. It's either a home run or a, an epic strikeout. Right. Um, but you know, if the pirates miss on a player, then they're in trouble financially, which is why they don't dive into giving out these contracts that other teams will give out. 
uh, the Pirates of the 90s, you know, you, you're talking about giving a guy $400,000 as opposed to $5 million. Um, and I think they had a little more flexibility um, with the percentage of the the payroll that was well, being they didn't paid have out. Revenue sharing, then correct? Either, yeah, so. and, and and you know the the model of revenue sharing in baseball is a joke. But um, you know when you look at it, and what I see is a philosophy, a, a Huntington hurdle philosophy. And I let me be clear, I'm a defender of Huntington to a degree because I do think he's in the worst spot of all of them. He's been told, here's your $70 million payroll in a league where the best teams are paying $180 million to their players. Good luck. You know, win with that. And he goes out and he has to he has to find guys like Jordan Lyles. And yeah, okay, he had a good April. And everybody got all excited. Oh, we stole Jordan Lyles. There was a reason Jordan Lyles was so readily available. And that's becoming clear now. He stinks. So... <laughs> When you break it down, you got a really bad pitcher at a price that looked reasonable. And okay, he pitched okay for a while. That's good, but he's not any good. Well, I don't think it helps that that in the last few years, you know, of course the Red Sox have been winning, but in the last few years, a team like the Royals yeah. wins a World Series. Right. I mean, I don't know what their payroll was then, yeah. but I'm guessing it was pretty low. It, it, but it was higher than what the Pirates payroll is now. Okay. And you know, they sensed it and went for it. And one of the things with the Buckos is when are they going to go for it? And you can look at 13 and say, well, Marlon Bird and Justin Morneau. Morneau was done. You yeah, and I could have had a higher batting average yeah, than Morneau. Yeah. And Bird, that's a good pickup. They really didn't give up anything for him. It was a safe trade, but that's going for it. Marlon Bird is going for it. I'm struggling here to remember all of Marlon Bird's like really great teams great he was moments, on and yeah. his great glory moments Wasn't in the playoffs. Wasn't he on playoffs. the Phillies? He might have been. on the Phillies when they won the World Series? He might have been. Ten years Do you ago? remember? I mean, that's no, my point. Right. Yeah. Is, you know, yeah. He's not the piece that you add to, to become a championship team. Uh, and whatever moves were made in the following years – and then you come out of 15 winning 98 games and you sort of do nothing in the offseason. And I think they just rely on analytics so much that it tells them, uh, you know, play the percentages this way and you'll be successful. But I think they've sort of lost that gut that I think baseball managers need. I think uh, I think Hurdle has forgotten that he's a baseball manager and he's almost every hurdle answer is immersed in some analytic and it's supported by some statistic. And if you read the the article, yesterday's a perfect example. He brings in Michael Feliz, who A, has no business in Major League Baseball, let alone the Pirates, let alone in a game against the freaking Cardinals in July when you're trying to win a series and leap over the Cardinals in the standings. You bring Feliz into face, not, you know, St. Louis's 24th guy on the bench, not some minor leaguer who was just called up to, to fill in for Mac Carpenter. No, you bring him in to pitch to Paul Goldschmidt. Now, okay, Goldschmidt's having a bad year. He's Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. When Michael Feliz grooves one, it's gone. Yeah. Goldschmidt's sitting dead red. He's been pulling the ball the whole series. So you don't throw him fastballs middle in at all. That, that shouldn't even be on your radar to do. 
and we pitch him middle in the whole at bat. And Feliz, who again, sh- he should not be in that situation. Hurdle's explanation. Well, you know, we really didn't have a good matchup. Feliz is probably our best matchup for Goldschmidt. No, he's not because he stinks and yeah. Goldschmidt doesn't. He had Lariano. I get the lefty-righty thing. He wanted to get a righty in the game on Goldschmidt. Um, you have other righties in the bullpen, guys with more experience and high-leverage situations. And what's wrong with Lariano? Lariano is the most experienced pitcher on that staff, and I seem to recall him getting a lot of big outs in his career. And he's been in that situation before. He can deal with it mentally, and he can deal with the batter in front of him. He knows who Paul Goldschmidt is and what to what not to do. So leave him in. Leave him in. He can make a mistake. Hurdle said, well, he's walked Goldschmidt six times. Well, how many times has he faced him? I, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, would you take a walk or a three-run Oh, home? yeah. I'll take a walk any day. I would have yeah. considered intentionally walking <laughs> him to begin <laughs> yeah. with. Was anybody on? I, there I there were two men on. But yeah, it, you no, know, no, you're, 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 if you walk in, what's you're, the harm? Force out at the plate. That's yeah, exactly you a right. Match up even for your scrubby pitcher. If you right. bring him in then. That's exactly right. And, you know, you've got Rodriguez out in the bullpen who uh, had a terrible April and May, but has been lights out since really, really good. And you have Vasquez down there. So do you think, do you think, I mean, I know you, you wrote that the, you think the pirates should sell right now. And I don't, I don't know right now how many games out they mm-hmm. are. I'm guessing three or six four. and a half. Oh, six and a half. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, should they, should they, well, it, it, according to the, to your theory, which I happen to think is probably correct. You know, any other team that's six and a half out at this point is probably looking to be a buyer. Yeah. Because you've got a lot of season left to go. Yeah, take, you, you can make up a lot of ground. Take the Reds, for example, the Reds have, publicly stated we're buyers we didn't trade for Puig and make the moves we've made because we wanted to sit in fifth place we're looking to win now the pirates never look to win now they talk about it they talk we're, we're you know we're building a championship team <laughs> well i mean i think that's okay. ridiculous it, it is do, and, they, do you think they're afraid to win do you think the brass for the pirates is afraid to win because if you put a, a real winner on the mm-hmm. field it's, I mean, all you got to do is think about the Steelers. I mean, now uh, there's a, there's a huge difference between, between the the front office of the Steelers and the front office of the Pirates, obviously. Mm -hmm. But once you put that winner on the field and you, and you get the fans used to that, Mm -hmm. you pretty much got to do it all the time. Yeah. And I think of the Toronto Raptors and I wonder about the modern sports fan uh, and their thought process on that, because um, I would take a World Series win and then a downturn over mediocrity for you know forever. Um, and I look at the Toronto Raptors. They went for it. They signed Kawhi Leonard. They win the NBA title knowing they're not going to keep Kawhi Leonard. He's going to test free agency. He's going to go somewhere because that's the flavor of the day in the NBA. And everybody's clamoring for this. Every sport should be like the NBA. I That is I can't stand what happens in the NBA with free agency, but Toronto couldn't be happier right now. And they're, they're like, Hey, thanks Kawhi. Thanks for what you did. Yeah. You brought us a championship. We're good for a while. You know, the Raptors are we still love our Raptors. Probably not going to be as good. Can't win the NBA title again, but Hey, we got one. Yeah. 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 Um, it could be 50 years from now and we're yeah. still remembering it. Right. We're still happy. 
I, you know, I, I think, um, I think sports today, I mean, it's, it's obvious for, especially guys, our age, people, our age, it's, it's, it's a lot different than it was. Yeah. I mean, it's a money game. Yes. It's, it's a hundred percent money. There's no doubt. Yeah. Gone it's, are the days of off season jobs and all right, that kind of stuff. That, right. that went away a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's such a business right now. It makes it, it makes it hard. And I think it makes it hard not only for, you know, us as fans, but it also makes it hard for the, the people that run the teams yeah. because they, they have to, they have to make money. They got to pay the players. They got to keep the fans happy. Yeah. They got to, you know, so what, at what point do you, you know, do you say we're going to go for it for this year? I mean, yeah. when do you make that decision? Right. And, and that's, I think that's my biggest issue with the pirates philosophy is that they just seem unwilling to ever make that decision. I think at some point you got to make a good faith effort to say, we are all, I'm pushing my chips to the middle. I'm all in. Uh, I'm no matter what happens, I'm signing Baumgartner. I'm signing Dallas Keuchel and I'm putting a good starting rotation together where a guy who I didn't even have on my 40 man roster at the beginning of the season is now my best starter in Dario Agrizal. Wasn't even on the 40 man at the beginning of the season. It's like, I love the Dario Agrizal story. I hope he continues to succeed, but come on, this is a major league baseball team. And you think I'm frustrated. I can't imagine living in a place like Los Angeles and being an Angels fan where I'm paying $190 million in payroll and I'm not going to win anything. Or (laughs) I'm in New York and I'm watching the Mets. What a joke that is. Or I'm in Chicago and I'm watching the White Sox. And I'm thinking I've got all this spending capacity and our team every year is terrible. So maybe that maybe that's kind of a nod to the Pirates. May, and you know, again, this it. is why I said in the article that Neil Huntington is better at his job than people give him credit for. Yeah. Because he does do a good job with the very limited funds he's given to do it with. And I really like a lot of the pieces that are in place. I love a lot of the young players, some of the pieces he's acquired through trades, some they've signed. Um, are, are brought through their system. And I like some of those young pieces. Um, but I, I think that the Pirates too often miss on certain guys. And again, when that happens, they're kind of, they're in no man's land when that happens. They, they, they commit money to a player who doesn't produce, and now they're in trouble. Lonnie Chisenhall. How much money are they giving that guy to sit around and do nothing? I don't know. He'll never play a game for the Pirates. And he's eating up a portion of, of payroll. I don't even know who he is. Yeah, right. <laughs> and my point exactly. Yeah, I don't. And, and you can't miss if you're the Pirates. You have to be so perfect with this. And I don't think people get how perfect Huntington would have to be for people to say he's doing a great job. So who do you think since uh, since the Pirates kind of turned things around mm-hmm. in what, 2013, 13, 14, 12, right? Yeah, right, began right. in 12. I mean, I guess you could consider that turning it around because ever since then they've been semi, they've had a couple very competitive years yeah. and they've been fairly competitive or semi-competitive right. for most of the other years, right. if not the whole year. So who do you think their biggest miss was and who do you think they, they missed out on that they should have signed and didn't? In, in the last five, six years. I think the biggest miss is Jamison Tyone. I think they expected him to emerge as a bona fide number one starter. And um, I think they missed the boat on that. I never saw him as that. 
I think he's a good pitcher. I don't think he's a dominant pitcher, and I don't think he'll ever be dominant because of his injury history, which this goes way back. He had two Tommy Johns before he ever got to the Pirates. Um, and then, you know, obviously unfortunate things that happen to him here uh, that are out of his control, but still um, affect him physically. And while he wants to be great, he's not. And while they want him to be great, he's not. And he's not going to be. And the Pirates though, framed their whole pitching philosophy around him as their ace. Trevor Williams showed something great at the end of last year where he had eight of the best starts a Pirates pitchers had in years, but now he's Trevor Williams again. Water finds its level, and these guys are finding Jordan Lyles. Had a great April and May, and he's Jordan Lyles. He's going to be Jordan Lyles. And I think the Pirates too often fall into traps with those players. I think they should have made more aggressive a more aggressive play to keep a guy like Garrett Cole, who wouldn't have stayed here. He wasn't going to stay here, but he wasn't going to stay here because I think they were fitting a square peg into a round hole, and he felt misused here. Um, he gets to Houston where they changed the pitching philosophy, and suddenly Garrett Cole is this, you know, he's the ace, the ace the Pirates should have. We'll hear more after a short break. Okay, so who do you, who do you think the Pirates' biggest miss as far as free agency goes was in the last six years or so? You know, there are so many players that have signed in free agency, but when you look at their number, it was never realistic that they were going to sign in Pittsburgh. So there are so many guys that you have to take right out of the mix. Um, take you, Darvish, for example. I get it. He's having a terrible year for the Cubs, but he's you Darvish. And he had a very good track record going into free agency, helped get the Dodgers to the World Series, got the Rangers to the World Series. Um, so he was a great pitcher and he was available, but there was not a chance ever that the Pirates. So who's in the Pirates price range is what you have to look at. And I think of a guy like Mike Moustakas, who's up in uh, Milwaukee right now, tearing the cover off the baseball. And I'm watching Adam Frazier, who everybody tells me is a good hitter. There's no actual evidence that he's a good hitter, but everybody tells me he is. And I have to watch him play second base um, and, you know, hit once in a while. And he goes on a, like a nine for 10 tear and everybody's all Adam Frazier happy. Well, okay, but he's not that good. And Moustakis was affordable and available. Why aren't the Pirates in on, on signings like that? Uh a couple of years ago, the Brewers traded for Christian Yelich. I didn't know he was available. Everybody else seemed to accept the Pirates. Why don't they go after him? He's affordable. He's uh, first year in Milwaukee. He's the MVP of the league. They're never in on guys like that who are somewhere in their price range, uh, somewhere in the wheelhouse of uh, the kind of player the Pirates might be able to control for a few years and they just never seem to hit on that guy. And, and instead they give $11 million to Cervelli because he's fun and he plays the game the right way. And he comes up to fun Italian music and I love the guy, but you know what? He's not that good. So, so, you know, on one hand you're saying that you think Neil Huntington does a much better job mm -hmm. than people give him credit for. Right. But on the other hand, he's got to take some of the blame for not 
going after these guys or recognizing right. that they're available. Do you think that blame is more on him or do you think maybe he comes to, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 in the front office, he comes to them and says, this guy Yelich is available and they nix it. I think, you know, I can't deny that that would happen. Um, but I, I just think Huntington knows or he knows this guy's out of my price range. Like I'm not even going to call Darvish his agent. No, I'm talking about like a guy like Moustakis. A guy like Moustakis, I think he just missed. He just missed. You know, I think that he just missed. And that's going to happen. That happens all over baseball. Every team misses. Um, You know, there are certain teams with much bigger markets, much bigger payrolls who can, and we talked about that. Yeah. They continuously miss. I can't imagine being a fan in in those cities and, and banging my head against the wall thinking we have all this money to spend. We were terrible. Yeah. Um, now those are the GMs that I think you need to look at and wonder like, what exactly are, are you doing to earn your money? I, I do think Huntington's in a tough spot. I do think he does a mostly good job. And like anybody else, I think he swings and misses sometimes and, and miscalculates and it's magnified in Pittsburgh. When he does sign someone like Cervelli at $11 million and misses badly, then it really is glaring. And now the Pirates are jammed up at catcher. And everybody, again, Elias Diaz, he's a good hitter, right? Well, where's the evidence of that? He's not a good hitter. Um, he's mediocre at best. He's mediocre behind the plate at best. And the backup is Jacob Stallings. Um He's not lighting the world on fire. He's not going to confuse anybody with Johnny Bench. So they're in trouble at the catching position. This is why I say sell. Because if you've got the two best potential pieces in free agency, and they're not going to – it's one of those, well, we can lose with them or lose without them for me scenarios where they are not going to win the division this year. They're not going to be a playoff team. Um, If they are – they're sure disguising themselves as a non-playoff team. So are you saying, who are you saying to sell? I'm saying if you really have an opportunity to, to flip Vasquez, who, yeah, he's lights out. He's great. But you know what? There are a lot of closers in baseball. There are a lot of guys who, who can fill that role. There are. And if you're an elite playoff team, I think they have more value. I think that's why the Dodgers, who are desperate to win a World Series, are so interested in Vasquez. And if they are, you've also got the number one rated minor league system in baseball in Los Angeles. Pluck some of those guys. What are they doing right to get all these guys? And go ahead and pluck some of them. Take advantage of the opportunity to really uh, grow a core of players that are young and uh potentially good for years where you can control them through arbitration uh, in maybe their best years. Uh, like what happened. That's why 2013 happened. Pedro Alvarez, Neil Walker, Andrew McCutcheon, Starling Marte, these guys all coming together. And then Huntington was able to add some pieces like AJ Burnett, like Francisco Lariano, you know, some really good savvy moves that he was able to make because this young core was playing at, at a really good level. Do it again. Scrap it all and do it again. So that's and, kind of, so that, so you're saying in a way that's kind of the formula yes. for success yeah. now in baseball 
if you're a small market team yes. or you're, you're just not going to spend that kind of right. money. Look at the twins this year. Yeah. They have, they have six guys having career years. Now, maybe that doesn't happen next year and the twins fall off the cliff, but you know what? They're, they're a playoff team this year. Um, I'll, I'm very interested to see what a team like Minnesota does um, in the, uh, in the trade market this year. But that's why I say move Marte. Marte's hit his ceiling in Pittsburgh. Uh, if you if you're not going to get to the next level because of Starling Marte, what are you keeping him around for? What about a guy like Bell? A guy like Bell, I think he's still so they still have so many years of control over mm-hmm. him that you keep him, and you know he's slumping right now, but he's the team MVP. So for and, so he he becomes the linchpin. Sure. In in your in your yeah. Yeah, nope. he's sort of that centerpiece in the lineup where you say we're going to fit in the pieces around him and make this a legitimate major league lineup that has a chance to win baseball games. But, you know, and I'm the biggest believer it all starts with pitching. Um, it all starts and ends with pitching. So then why trade Vasquez, who it ends with, right? Well, but well, you've, you've, you've talked about right. that and you're right. Because There's, of the pieces you can get. You can, you can take, you can take a, a starting pitcher or, or a middle reliever who's got that that great first 15 pitches in there right. and turn them into a closer. Sure. Yeah, and a lot of teams have with great success. Look at John Smoltz, right? John Smoltz, once he was done really dominating as a starter, the Braves put him in their bullpen as their closer, and he was magnificent for years in that role. Yeah. And the Pirates, year after year after year, have had good closers. You, Jose Mesa, they take an old guy like Mesa. He's a great closer for them. Jason Grilly. Who was Jason Grilly? Who before? is Jason Grilly now? Yeah. <laughs> but he had a two-year run as one of the best closers in baseball. Joel Hanrahan, who I think is the pitching coach in Altoona now. Joel Hanrahan became one of the best closers in baseball. They flipped him for another guy. Flipped. Here comes Mark Melanson, a guy who wasn't even trusted to go into games at one point in Houston, suddenly becomes one of the top closers in baseball. So the Pirates have a track record of finding closers and developing those guys. So what is the value of Vasquez? It's his trade value. That's the real value of him to this franchise. And that does it for this bonus episode of the Pittsburgh Beautiful Podcast. Dave sounds like a pretty smart guy, doesn't he? I think you'll be hearing more of what he has to think about Pittsburgh sports here in the future. As a matter of fact, we do have another bonus episode coming up on Steelers training camp next week. Uh, He'll have his thoughts on the upcoming season uh, for the Pitt Panthers and uh, Pitt football, as well as some thoughts on the Penguins. So I'd like to thank Dave for his time. It's always a great discussion with him about sports. It's, It's always a great discussion with him about anything, basically, because He's probably the only other person on the planet I know who can talk more than me, uh, and he's much more articulate to boot. So I want to thank you for listening, following, and subscribing to Pittsburgh Beautiful. And as with anything on any of our podcasts, if you're listening on Anchor, you can hit leave a message and leave us a message if you have any thoughts on the pirate season or any questions, and Dave will try to answer them the next time around. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for following. Thanks again for making Pittsburgh beautiful. Stay real. The Pittsburgh Beautiful podcast is produced by me, Chris Klein, the founder of Pittsburgh Beautiful. 
The opinions of our guests are not necessarily the opinions of Pittsburgh Beautiful and are their own opinions. All of our guests have been invited to be on the podcast and are not paid for their appearance. Thanks for listening to the Pittsburgh Beautiful Podcast. Stay real.